Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Rovers Returned. Today's episode, Flying High Forever and Ever, looks back at the first two seasons of Blackburn Rovers' return to the Premier League in 2001-2003. I'm really looking forward to this one and came across a lot of forgotten memories uh, as part of the research for, for the episode. Um, it also coincides with my first season ticket for the 2001-2002 season, so it's quite a nostalgic uh, period for me. Uh, my name's Paul Worthington. I'm joined by my co-host Simon Burns. How are you doing, Simon? I'm very well, Paul. Um, very much looking forward to this uh, this episode, uh, like yourself. I think there's some, some amazing memories that have only been resurfaced uh, through the process of research, researching these these two seasons. So, um, yeah, very excited to get into get into the details. Fantastic. And, you know, I think to the listener right here, we're covering two seasons tonight. Yes, that is correct. So we're going to pack in a lot. So by no means are we going to be able to talk about every single moment, um, but we'll do our best to talk about the best and the worst. And for those moments that we don't cover, maybe we'll cover them um, at the end of the season in our final like uh, Q&A episode. Um, so if you've got any questions, do send them in to us. So Simon, let's jump straight into it. When you think about the 2001-2003 um, seasons, I say, um, what's the first thing or your main memory that stands out to you from that time? Um it's it's quite a quite an easy one this actually um it was a pre-season friendly against uh, none other than barcelona um ahead of the start of the 0102 season um and if it wasn't if it wasn't kind of magical enough to play um barcelona a barcelona side that um boasted the likes of rivaldo not playing on the day which was and remains a massive disappointment but still kind of Xavi, uh, Mark Overmars, Philip Koku, uh, Saviola came on in the second half. And um, I don't remember this, but the BBC match reports that I have read says that he was a different class. That all being said, we won the game. We beat Barcelona 3-2 um, at Ewood Park. And um, absolutely kind of remarkable um, to, to inflict such a result on such a kind of um, prestigious club. And to, to see Mark Hughes kind of come up against one of his, his former clubs in Barcelona, in Barcelona, which in of itself is just ridiculous that Blackburn had an ex-Barcelona player <laughs> playing against his former employers. And then won the game with a trademark volley that, that just oozed kind of quality. It's just, Great finish. Yeah, it, ridiculous. So I think that... That's that's a memory that you kind of bottle and you you can kind of let it out and enjoy every now and again. And uh, it was it was very nice to kind of look at the, the match report, look at the uh, look at the starting lineups as much as anything for the two sides, and just just think of the quality that was on show that day. I mean, Javi was playing for for Barcelona. At he scored. Time. He scored in the game. Again. He scored in the game. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, he scored okay. a penalty. He scored a penalty. That, but, Okay. okay. Yeah. But, um, did, did you go to you the there game? as well? Did you go to the game? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, one of the one of the lesser the less kind of salubrious memories was that um, um, my my aunt and uncle and my cousins from from London came up for the game, um, and um, they left my my cousin left his phone on the back seat of the car, which unfortunately was stolen. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it probably, was a, probably a Barcelona uh, fan. <laughs> oh, it's just you know typical Barcelona fan stealing, <laughs> stealing a Nokia thirty three ten. 
uh, but yeah, that was um, that was a, a bitter end to what was otherwise a, a glorious day and a sign of was it a sign of things to come? No, but it was still good in of itself. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, what about great, you? great, great moment. Great moment. I think it's a great choice. I love that over two over two year period, a pre season Fenley is is your is your go to. <laughs> um, I think so. I would say in the, in this era of which we're covering in in the podcast, I think this friendly was probably the second strangest friendly. I think that we had uh, that we actually played. So somehow, yeah, Blackburn Rovers playing Barcelona. Yeah, definitely. That just feels completely nonsensical in today's world that we would ever play a friendly with them. The only kind of like friendly I can think of that rivals it in kind of like absurdity is when we played the New Zealand national team. <laughs> Do you, you, might, like, you might not remember that, used that to one. Me. Did that happen? <laughs> Um, I think it kind of happened um, because of Ryan Nelson. I remember being at the game and I, we comfortably beat them, um, but I couldn't really understand why we were playing New Zealand. Um, but I, I definitely have an ingrained memory of being at Ewood Park watching us play. Uh, uh, but, 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 um, I think no. all whites. As opposed to the all blacks, it's all blacks, right? All blacks. Well, that's the, that's the rugby, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, don't I think they steal. Yeah, yeah. So why, why change a good idea? It's a good, a good idea. Yeah, is a good idea forever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, no, but that, the, an air of confusion reigned. You would park. Why are we playing the New Zealand national side? <laughs> so the Barcelona game was. A, I remember that game. I probably. I think I would hopefully still have the ticket stub at my parents' house somewhere. Um, but I was. I was looking. Looking at a match report on this just for a bit of a laugh and. Um, it's a great quote here from the Barcelona coach um, after after the game. Um, and he basically says, um, Blackburn Rovers are a typical English team, very aggressive, very direct. And it is a team that maintains the good spirit and good things about English football. Oh, isn't that, oh, isn't that that's nice? nice? That's, 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 that's really not me saying too. it. That's the coach of <laughs> Barcelona. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he knows what he's talking about. But that, that really encapsulates, you know, through skill and hard work, which lest we forget, typifies everything the Blackburn Rovers stand for. So, you know. It's, li- it's literally written on the shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's literally emblazoned across the shirt. So, yeah, wow, we've got yeah. a, a kindred spirit in the, the then Barcelona manager who... Really no idea how that friendly came about. I know that it was part of a tour they were doing in the Surely UK. Surely Hughesley got, got on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play, yeah. I mean, worth signing a player if they can guarantee you a, a, a friendly like that. And yeah. as, as, you were, as you were saying, like ex-Barcelona player, I was kind of racking my brain. Is he the only ex-Barcelona player we've had? Obviously not, uh, given Ruben Rashina's uh, glorious stint with us. Uh, yeah. uh, but I, I, I can't think of any other Barcelona connection. Um, if anyone no. does, does know of one, do let us know. Um, I would, I mean, I would have loved us to sign Mark Overmars, but that was not on the cards. <laughs> that was, that was never on the cards. No, um, no. Although yeah. we did try and sign Ronaldinho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we have some, we have some actual Barcelona links. We've got some questionable Barcelona links. <laughs> yeah, but some actual, actual, and some fictional ones. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great memory. Um, my my memory is a, is a, is a, is a less kind of like a, a happy one, I should say. Um, so this is actually the season later. So this is from 2002-2003 season, and it's actually our double head double header in the UEFA Cup versus uh, versus Celtic, and it was just such a soul crushing way to go out of the UEFA Cup, losing three 0 on aggregate. We lost one 0 at Parkhead. 
and then we lost mm. 2-0 at Ewood. And I remember the first leg. The first leg was on BBC One, and we absolutely bossed the game. And Thank I'll you. never... Never forget that. Like we played them off the park, and somehow they managed to like get a quite a late goal. I think it was maybe in the last ten minutes. John Hartson, wasn't it? Who I think last was. I think it was Larson who scored, but Hartson setting up bulldozed in and did the header. And it was. I was. I was. I I must have been. How old was I at the time? I was probably at fourteen, fifteen. I was devastated. I was absolutely Mm. devastated. Um, and I, well, I thought that like we played, we played like a team that people regarded at the time. There was a lot of chat about the old firm coming into the Premier League. And I was like, well, we've just played them off the park and we're Blackburn Rovers and that's just what we do. So I went back and looked, (laughs) I went, I went, I went back and yeah, I went back and looked at the game on, on BBC. Uh, it's really fun to actually go 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 through some of these match match reports. And you know, there's this one section of the match report. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this out to you because I think it really encapsulates the game itself. Blackburn began to dominate possession, frustrating Celtic and picking their passes into the box. Celtic were chasing ghosts, lying dangerously <laughs> deep, and being forced to rely on some desperate last ditch defending to remain level. This is the best bit. <laughs> this is the best bit. This is the best bit. Then I'll stop. This is the best bit. Then I'll stop. Soonus went for the jugular, bringing Cole on for the less mobile Egil Austin stat, <laughs> which I think is both harsh and accurate reflection of Egil Austin stat's mobile abilities at that stage of his career. But um, yeah, Egil Austin started the game. He started the game. Yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, Cole was on the bench. So hmm. was Dunn. Cole and Cole and Dunn were on the bench. Well, they um, had a tempestuous relationship, didn't they, Sunus and Dunn? So you can understand that, but that seems, yeah. seems odd for Austin Stat to start ahead of Andy Cole. But uh... yeah, I, I didn't really get that. But like, we ended up losing the first leg, going to the second leg at Ewood, thinking, you know, we obviously we bossed the first game, we'll be fine. And then Celtic got, I think, fairly early uh, goal. Yeah. As soon as they had the away, as soon as they had the away goal, it was just like. He's not going to get three goals uh, mm. back of them, and I, I actually it was only in kind of doing the research for this episode that I kind of like re- made me really remember how how meaningful and how sad I was after this two legged uh, mm. two legged match. And so it's not it's not a, it's not a, it's not a good memory, but it is it is kind of like a memory that really sticks in the mind. And I, and it, but there's 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 a silver lining to it, right? Because we did do ourselves a really good showing in terms of how competitive we were as a side. Absolutely, and I mean, there's some great there's some great tidbits associated with it. I mean, I loved how much Sunes came out swinging after the first <laughs> leg. He was just like, "Well, we're obviously going to win," <laughs> like I mean, and go through. And maybe that was the kind of the Ranger Celtic connection that he was like, you know, he was drawing on. Obviously, you know, having <laughs> having lost the. The second leg two nil um, that that didn't didn't age so well, but I mean this is the Celtic side that went on to the final of the UEFA Cup that season, only to lose to Mourinho then good Mourinho's Porto. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that makes it better or worse, considering that well we my reading was better than than then finalists. Yeah, my 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 reading of the counterfactual history there is therefore <laughs> if we beaten Celtic, we would have gone to the final, and we would have probably beaten Porto. So really, we probably would have won the UEFA Cup that season if we had if we had won that game at Parkhead. That's kind of like my ultimate you know, that, reality. That, that, does, that does stand to reason. So you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that, 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 even even worse than we remember. 
yeah, yeah. Let, let's circle back to that point when we get to the 0203 season because I think there's some rationale in my brain that I can explain further. But okay. so let, let's let, let's kick into um, the first season. So 2001, 2002. This was our first season back. So we'd finished second in then Division One, uh, which people now know as the Championship, behind Fulham. And that was an optimistic time, right? We were we were back where we belonged. We had returned, hence the name of the podcast. Um, you know, Simon, as we think, I think about that first summer, you know, signings going into the season, kind of like, how would you kind of like describe and think about that kind of first phase of the of the season? I think it was um, a phase, a phase of the season and a phase in the kind of history of the football club that was really characterized by optimism. I mean, there wasn't any kind of dreaded stagnation in the championship. There was a, there was a a kind of middling first season where we changed the manager halfway through soon as first full season in the, in the champion, sorry, the, the first division, um, automatic promotion. And it's like, okay, we're back at, we're back in our rightful place as a, as a contender in the premier league. And um, I think that sense of optimism real, really kind of typified by the signing of um, Corrado, AKA Chichio Grabby, um, who uh, came with a, came with a big reputation as the, top scorer in Serie B, I believe, from the, the previous season. So, you know, the Italian Division One. Um, and it just it just seemed right. I mean, we were sponsored by Kappa, Italian, Italian striker. There was no more logic to it than that. But <laughs> apart from you well, apart from the fact that he he'd scored an absolute hatful in in um, the second tier in, in Italy. And and going back to that that um that Barcelona friendly um I believe if I don't know if he played that game actually because I think he did. If, he did if, play that game. He did. Yeah. yeah, because I remember seeing him early in the season. It might and if, if, if it was that game and he, he did an amazing. To obviously he didn't score because I mean as, as history shows <laughs> he never scored. <laughs> you know he never scored, but he had a, a just amazing kind of turn and real flair. He was a kind of good-looking guy, and it was like yes this striker is going to really kind of lead us into the new age and kind of score the goals that will get us to the upper echelons of the table. Um, yeah. So I would say that I, I was just, it was just unbridled optimism really at, at that, at that time. But, um, but how about yourself? I mean, you, you, this is your season ticket, season ticket kind of debut as well. So where, where, where were you feeling after the early kind of exchanges in that season? Yeah, it's. I mean, the the first. The, I I have a very distinct memory of the first three games of, of returning. And the first game we lost away at Derby, and I remember listening to it on like Radio Lancashire. Um, I think I was out uh, in a, in the car at the time. And it was quite. It was. It, it definitely felt like we should have not lost the game, but we were also wearing that horrible like dark blue away shirt that we sometimes bring out oh, every yeah. every every few years. It's, it's it's an awful 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 shirt. Um, but then the first home game we drew, we drew at home against Manchester United, to all. Um, yeah, we did back and got a sketchy equaliser. Very sketchy. And then the, first, the second home game, we beat Tottenham at home. So after three games, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Like, you know, Four points in three games, you know. That's... Yeah, and you play Tottenham and Manchester United. It's no, no mean feat. Um, yeah. And like the grabby signing was such, obviously in hindsight, a terrible signing. Um, <laughs> I think... On that, I mean, the way his, his Wikipedia say, page does say, Grabby's move to Blackburn is widely regarded as one of the worst transfers in the history of the Premier League. <laughs> and I think that's unsighted, but still. 
quite, yeah, quite comedic. I mean, <laughs> I think I think Wikipedia's editors need to have a closer look at themselves. I'm not I'm not sure if it's one of the worst signings in Premier in Premier League history. Maybe in terms of return of investment, yes, because obviously we bought him for seven million, and then I don't think we recouped anything for him. Um, no. We were obviously fleeced. I'd love I'd love to know a bit more the background in terms of like how the how the hell did we end up signing a player like with like. Like was the Rovers scouting department like you know in Italy looking at the second division going that's the guy we need like I, it's a very it's very random when you think about it in the broader context of all the kind of players that we signed um, you know because well, I mean, we didn't really sign continental players no we weren't I mean there's a couple of ideas that I have on that I mean maybe it was for one the shirt sponsor Kappa I mean flexing their own kind of muscles in 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 Italy and kind of like. Putting us, putting us in touch with their local scouting network, but this was this was also part of the part of the kind of the, the, the latter phase of the kind of the Italian invasion of the Premier League when you'd had players like Viali, um, uh, Di Matteo, like Ravinelli. Didn't Ravinelli may have scored against us for Derby? Luke Carpenter. Oh, <laughs> probably, probably. He had name recognition, so always scores against Blackburn Rovers. Um, so. I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just, you know, you know, certain countries are kind of in vogue at particular times. Um, maybe this was yeah. just like the dying embers of, of Italy being in vogue. And, you know, again, Serie B, good credentials. I've never, never heard of the club he played for there, T- Tanana. No, Doesn't never like heard of them since either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the best player to have ever played for Tanana is, is shockingly yeah. enough, one of the worst <laughs> Worst signings in the history of the Premier League. But, um... Um, but in, in, fair, in fairness, that, that coming into that season, though, like, you know, we've focused on Gravy. There were a couple of good signings. So yeah. Two Guy, for example, like, I mean, this is the this is the start of what becomes an illustrious um, and cult figure um, player mm-hmm. in Rovers history in, in this kind of era. And I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about Two Guy uh, in, 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 in many future episodes in terms of his significance in the team. I would probably say... Pound for pound, the best footballer um, in that era for for for, uh, for, for Blackburn Rovers. Really, uh, in terms of, like, I don't know if this is the right phrase, like pound for lung capacity, because he was a he was heavy he was smoker, a day, heavy smoker, yeah, heavy yeah, smoker, yeah, yeah. Didn't matter. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Like his his control, his his control on the ball, his awareness, everything about him just was just cut above. And it's a shame that it's a shame that like it's not a shame because I enjoyed him playing at Blackburn Rovers, but you kind of felt like he could have done done it at a higher level almost um although his defensive capabilities were definitely questionable i mean you, you, you sense that he wouldn't really have thrived in the modern game like the gig <laughs> like that yeah, I mean, yeah extensive <laughs> pressing he always had a red card in it a card in him but like yeah i don't i don't want this to detract from his, his absolute <laughs> genius and talents but what i'm saying is i'm trying to highlight why he probably never was given a chance at a big four yeah. club because he was definite some definite uh, holes in his in holes in his game but like mm. between between him and lucas neal was another interesting signing yeah. from uh, millwall i believe um mm. felt like he came out of nowhere from on, on my book and also we had a right back john curtis but lucas neal kind of slotted in and was like wow this guy is really really good um yeah. and was a new new part of the defense and became like a stalwart for, for many years going into the future so you know the grabby signing aside there were a couple of other good good parts but I think for my kind of like overarching kind of memory of the first part of the season up to Christmas really was just that the, the grabby kind of effect was kind of like a drag on the team because mm. you wanted him to, you wanted this like new marquee signing to contribute and, and drive the team forward. 
he didn't. Mm. Now, obviously, that was really good for Matt Janssen because Matt Janssen kind of stepped up um, and built on his successful season in Division One and was becoming like a out and out good Premier League striker. But apart from that, like it was, it was, it was tricky, and like the results weren't that great in the first half of the season. Um, you know, I think we had a high of eighth in the league when we beat um, West Ham seven-one. But then after you know, that, an, an amazing result to beat. Yeah, West Ham ridiculous day, ridiculous team game. that seemingly always had our number. Bar yeah. that day, if we could trade in some of the the goals that we accumulated <laughs> in that 7-1 to not continually lose against them in subsequent seasons, that would have been amazing. But, but, then, um, but then after that, like the form kind of dips and mm. it just kind of like spirals into the Christmas period. So mm. I don't know yeah. why any thoughts on why that happened and then, you know, moving into the kind of next phase of the season, like what were your kind of, what are you kind of like thoughts on where it went from there? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Again, go, not, not not wanting to dwell too much on Grabby, but when you when you pay pretty big money for a striker and they're not scoring, that just becomes the story, doesn't it? I mean, that that's your main outlet. That's how you win football matches with your striker scoring goals. And just with every game that goes by and they're not um, getting the goals, um, I think it just that the pressure increases and. I guess, yeah, maybe a sense of frustration starts to kind of permeate the, the side as well. Um, but I think it was, it was just still so difficult. I think we, we talk about it a lot. Um, we've talked about it a lot previously and, and certainly in preparation for, for this podcast in terms of, like, as a Rovers player, I still would have no idea what our natural place is, <laughs> you know, in, in, the, in the footballing kind of hierarchy between, like, the Premier League and, and Division One, Like, so I don't know if that kind of thing would like weigh on these players' minds in terms of just like, well, this is a team that we should definitely beat or this is like earmarking the results. Um, it just felt like quite freewheeling um, kind of <laughs> going through. It's a, a real kind of journey of discovery. And maybe, maybe that means that you kind of get results that you don't necessarily expect, like a 7-1 against West Ham until the kind of the... <laughs> You know, the days start to shorten and winter kind of winter arrives and a real kind of downturn in form comes, which was probably always going to happen when you have a, a misfiring striker and a and a really promising counterpart in Matt Janssen, but still not necessarily the finished article and with very limited Premier League experience. And still and quite I guess, yeah, just quite a green team in certain ways, certainly in terms of like like Premier League experience from from that era. So, yeah, it, it, from what had been a kind of a middling, if unspectacular, kind of start to the season, you go into that, that kind of um, that Christmas period in the early part of um, 2002, and it's a, it's a full-blown relegation battle. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, we lose kind of is it four games on the spin going into, ultimately, the, the Worthington Cup final and the, the Worthington Cup. You, you know, it's... Is it, is it a good or a bad thing to have a kind of a, a league cup run when you're really starting to, tr- to struggle in the in in the actual league proper? Because it, is it like is it a distraction or is it um, is it a catalyst to better to better performance? And it didn't seem <laughs> as we were going through the various stages that it was a catalyst to to better performance. Um, but then, yeah, we we do get to the we do get to the winter cup final and. and and then that that was that was a that was an amazing day. But I guess yeah, from from your perspective, like, do you have any kind of like memories, reflections of the campaign 
as we approach kind of Millennium Stadium in Cardiff in, is it late January, early Feb? It's, it's actually, I was looking, I'm just looking at this now. It's actually, uh, the final itself was um, mid, mid Feb. Uh, Feb, Feb uh, 23rd, it says here. Okay, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah nice. quite, quite actually, quite late. Um, mm. I guess my, my main memory, like in that whole period where we lose like six, I think we lose like six in seven games. So um, from the start of December up to and around like uh, January, um, is Derby at home just after Boxing Day, uh, in between Boxing Day and New Year. And we lost one nil. It was awful. It was an awful game. And it, mm. I think it was, it was the day that they announced Andy Cole had signed, um, or Andrew Cole, I should say. Uh, it was in that we announced it. They, they announced it, I think, at halftime. And I remember on Radio Radio Rovers, there was an interview with him. And they were like, it's great to have you here, Andy. And he's like, it's Andrew. <laughs> it's like, oh, OK. <laughs> Setting, the tone. Be here. Setting the tone. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember being like really adamant that the coal signing itself was not enough because the team was playing so poorly. And it felt mm. like a bit like a desperation signing at the time. Um, mm. I mean, you know, I'll hold my hand up. I was wrong about that because his goals were instrumental in the second half of the season, as you mentioned, winning the cup. Um, and it's hard not, in my mind, it's hard not to think about this season as, you know, two parts. There was pre-Cole Worthington Cup victory and there was post-Worthington Cup victory mm. and, and Cole signing. And mm. they kind of like fed into each other because I think Cole as well scored in the semi-final against Sheffield mm. Wednesday, I think if I remember correctly um so like yeah it was it was difficult timing i didn't really see where the where the turnaround was going to come from and admittedly i was a bit more skeptical on the call signing um but i guess he also had his motivations himself personally because he was really chasing a world cup spot and you know that was one of the reasons why he was decided that a realistic to prospect at that time i think it was why it was one of the reasons why he decided to leave because i think by then manchester united had signed rude van nisseroy yeah and cole yeah. was not getting as much game time as he wanted and i think getting into a world cup was a big it was his last chance to get into a world cup right and mm. i guess there was a spot open um in terms of like a potential attacker because i guess you would have had like owen uh heskey Fowler, maybe I can't think of the fourth. Yeah, maybe the cell, maybe I maybe a bit too early for cell. I don't know. Um, and obviously, did he did he go to that? Um, yeah, but, yeah. You know, and, and at the end of the season, the conversation actually more gravitated towards: Is it going to be Jansen who goes to the World Cup? Mm. And obviously, yeah. in hindsight, they take Martin Keown, that great goal scorer. <laughs> um, and and that's a whole that's a whole new point. Um, but that, that, that was a bit, that was for his for Martin Keown's, you know. His tactical mind for his inspiration in the dressing room. Yeah, the the, the what if there in terms of if Jansen had gone into Keown is is not even worth getting into because uh, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a heartbreaking counterfactual. Well, not heartbreaking, but like you know the kind of like the potential it could have been for for Jansen's career. Um, yeah, yeah. So that kind of like so we win the Worthington Cup, which I think I think a lot of people did not expect to happen. Um, we took no. thirty thousand fans to Cardiff as well, right? It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, thanks to rovers.co.uk, um, you can, and the Blackburn Rovers YouTube channel, you can now watch the, the full game um, on a Rovers Rewind. Uh, and it is absolutely ridiculous, the kind of the atmosphere um, in the Millennium Stadium. And um, the game itself, I mean, I loved, I loved the backstory of um, Cole versus Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> <laughs> seemingly kind of painted each other. And what was it? Glenn Hoddle said that Andy Cole needs five chances to score a goal. 
And yeah. even though Andy Cole did score, Glenn Hoddle was proven, <laughs> was seemingly proven. Fairly, back. fairly accurate description of it, yeah. in fairness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like Cole has the last laugh. It's like they were, they were both winners <laughs> on that front. But, um, but yeah, amazing. And like Tottenham, we, we were not the favourites for that. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but no, like the, 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 I remember, like the narrative going into that game was basically that Tottenham are going to turn up and they're going to win, um, mm. you know. Mm. And actually, obviously, that didn't transpire because we we actually did it ourselves. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did it. thanks to questionable refereeing calls, <laughs> that's, 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 that's seemingly quite um, yeah. There's a stonewall penalty in there, seemingly from Martin Taylor on uh, Teddy Sheringham. Yeah, so, I think so. But, but in fairness, Friedel had a blinder that day. He really did. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just a heroic performance. Remember, there was yeah. a one-on-one on one between him and Les Ferdinand. Les Ferdinand tries to go around him. Obviously, Les Ferdinand, not being the fastest striker at that uh, stage of his career, you know, tries to go around uh, Friedel's, I guess Friedel's left, and Friedel just like, his big left arm just grabs the ball from him and just sweeps it up, and the Rovers fans go absolutely crazy. And it's like, you know, when that, that when was, that happened, it's like, maybe, maybe maybe we can do this. Maybe we can actually do this. That must have been like one of the moments when like Friedel kind of announced himself on the kind of like the big stage, because um, he'd, he'd been like, because we got him from Liverpool, didn't we? And he was yeah. kind of like, Clearly, like underwhelming there because they wouldn't have sold him otherwise to a. To yeah, I think he was pretty terrible at Liverpool. Yeah, but then just like came to Blackburn and was just absolutely ridiculous how good he was and just so, so consistent. Yeah, just like remarkable shot stopper. And and and, and Fenner Sassunas. Sunas did have the ability to get these kind of gems, like two guy from his time at uh, Rangers, right? And then um... I think that's the, the surprising thing about Friedel is that he wasn't either Turkish or from Rangers. <laughs> that, 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 that seemed to be Sunes's no kind of... but wasn't he from Galatasaray wasn't he from Galatasaray though <laughs> he did yeah. so there was there was a standard and I am 99% but... sure that Sunus like um, that Friedel played for Sunus at Galatasaray um, mm. that, that that would be amazing that would like that would close the loop on <laughs> the, kind of the open question on um, on Brad Friedel's kind of like um, original kind of links with Rovers but um but no I think the the word into good final was obviously like absolutely fantastic um I remember though being if actually no this this would be disingenuous of me to say that annoyed at the time but I remember a recent trip going back to my parents and finding the Rover time uh, program from like it must have been like a game the, the immediate game afterwards um, and I think it had Sunes on the front, like absolutely beaming, lifting the um, lifting the Wordenden Cup, and the title was Let's Party. And just looking at that, you're like, Let's Party. We're 18th in the Premier League at that time. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there needs to be a bit more focus on the job at hand. Great yeah, to have a great to have a great to have an honour next year, next year title for the for the season. But you know, the bigger prize was was still to be won. Yeah, let, let's secure our relegation, uh, safety from relegation, then party, right? Let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, totally. Oh, as, as, as I, you know, I, I'm, the team at Rover Time, I'm sure, do a great job, but as, as an editorial, that's a questionable kind of like, you know, to start of March, let's party, we're done. Um, but at the end of that season is like, what, three three losses out of the final 12 games, right? Like we, we do we do kind of like really like turn it around and, and, you know, for the people who, you know, it's quite a cliche to say a good cup run can inspire league performance, but 
that was a genuine kind of example mm. where we did turn it around from from that kind of like uh, that, that poor period running up to the final to then afterwards in the final 12 games. And I guess like I kind of want to get you one of your if you've got any like final memories of that season before we move into the, to, to the next campaign. But I was looking back and I was just I was really amazed by the final game of the season. I think it's quite a, it's quite a nice end, end, end point here because the final game of the season we play Fulham at home. In front of an attendance, it says here, 30,000, which I can't really get my head around um, for, for a Fulham at home game. Um, and we beat them 3-0. And the season before, when we came up with them, they beat us 2-1 at home, uh, Ewood. And it was a beat us home and away, didn't they? Um, I think so. But the, the home yeah. defeat was a... De- it was, well, that was another, like, really devastating. I took Rovers' defeats quite hard back then. I'm much, I'm, I'm much more resilient <laughs> these days. But losing to them was a... It was, it was kind of, like, really, really... It was a poor result. I remember the... the it was. I'm sure it was raining. Sean Davis, I think, uh, scored the winner. I think, if I remember correctly. But the, to fast forward a season, end of our first campaign, and we beat them three nil. And it's, mm. it's Duff and it's Cole. It's the Duff and Cole show, which is yeah. kind of a bit of a, a precursor to what happens next season in terms of the growing influence of those two players and the kind of chemistry yeah. they had on the significance. But I just think it's so amazing that you can really see the growth of the team by the end of that season where we're comfortably brushing apart, brushing aside um, Fulham, who have also invested in their side by this point then, because, you know, Fulham were not afraid of getting their checkbook out, right? And, you know... Um, some good players that didn't have, like, Louis Saha at the time. Yeah, they like, had... Um, United, they signed so. Steve Marley. They had they obviously had uh, Legwinski, who was pretty good. Um, oh, they yeah. had Van der Sar as well. Um, yeah, you know, United. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so they weren't they weren't a bad side, but um, yeah, no, I, I, no. for me, it's like an interesting end to the season because I think it really just puts into context the growth of us versus, uh, you know, I think I think if I'm being if I'm being reflective on the conversation so far, we're being we're being overly because we want we want the best for Rovers. Like, their team gets promoted; it's never easy, and surviving is your goal. So the fact that we won a cup and finished what tenth, that's incredible. And and this was the season, and it's very rarely happened, where all the promoted sides survived, didn't they? Blackburn, yeah. Bolton, and Fulham. And, and Blackburn, all three go on to be established clubs for the next yeah. number of years. Yeah. And Blackburn were the best side of the three that season um, yeah. and win a League Cup. Um, and as you say, kind of the team that had kind of pipped them to the post last season, beat them home and away, yeah, comfortably swept aside. And yeah, I don't know. To, to my to my point earlier, I think Blackburn starting to understand and believe clearly that they are they are deserving of their place. So they're getting a bit of an understanding of where where they can where they can shoot for, and the results the results speak for themselves after that that kind of barren winter winter period. Um, yeah, and it's just clearly clearly wasn't. You look at the. You look at the squad, even in that season, there's some good additions, I think, for the next season, but there's no shortage of kind of Premier League, proven Premier League quality and players who go on to bigger and better things. So it was just a case of, I don't know whether it was confidence or, you know, just getting used to kind of the, the style of play in the Premier League. But it is it is amazing um, from that kind of the 2nd of March onwards, the, the results and the, um, the form is just it's just really fantastic and really kind of sets the scene very nicely for the for the subsequent season. It it, it is, it does, and that's that's a nice segue into the into the o two o three season. But I I think you've really hit on something there in terms of this kind of like finding 
finding our feet as a club and trying to work out what is a level, what level are we at? Like what level are we punching at and who are our competitors and how high should we be aiming? And mm. yeah, I, I think that's a really good way of thinking about that kind of like acclimatizing and then players also realizing themselves how much potential they have. And I think, mm. you know, I think Damien Duff and David Dunn like squarely fall into that bracket in terms of like how good they could be in the Premier League. And you know, Damien Duff's career at this point is only on the rise, you know, as as of course segued by like the the World Cup in in between these these two seasons. Um, so I think I think you're right, and I think by the time you get to the o two o three season, you've got the core of the same side because we haven't we've not been forced into selling any players at this point. No player has demanded uh, demanded a, a sort of like a, a way out. Um, we haven't felt any financial pressure or need to sell any players. Um, so the kind of like the, the nucleus of that team has actually been around for quite a while now, um, mm. but been, it's been built on. And I think that's a really interesting way of thinking about you know, a, a development of a football club is that you're looking to always kind of like, you know, retain your best players and then find out where your weak links are and mm. upgrade in those positions and then bring in class that you didn't previously have. And likes of Neil, Two Guy, Cole we're mm. adding an extra dimension that we hadn't had previously. And then going into the 0203 season, you've got that core to your point. They've, they've got this kind of like confidence in terms of where they are. And the season, the, I think the overarching narrative that season is just that they were consistently good. Um, mm. And they were really kind of like, like solidly, like, uh, like top, top half of the table. And I think the form, if I remember correctly, only really gets even better as, as, as things go on. But like, you know, without jumping too far ahead of ourselves, I mean, that summer and the signings that came in, I mean, you know, we've got Dwight York, we've got David Thompson, Andy Todd, Ratislav yeah. Gresko. Um, you know, kind of what, 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 what are you thinking as a fan when you're seeing these kind of additions and, and where the team's ending that season going into 0203? I think, I think all good signings with a possible kind of asterisk next to um, Dwight York, actually. <laughs> Um, and I say that with the the really representative sample. I mean, obviously going to going to games um, then and there and during during the season. But you know, if, again, if this this podcast has, has taught taught me anything, it's that memory can can play tricks on you. Um, but uh, but watching um, again, we reference it often. But the Premiership highlights on on YouTube of of Blackburn versus Birmingham. Um, Dwight York doesn't cover himself in glory in that game. Um, is that the home? Quite, is that the home game where home, Andy Todd uh, gets sent off? Yeah, he kicks Dugary in the back. Um, yeah, it's a great game. It's a great game. <laughs> it's, it, was, it, was I mean, a it wasn't a great game because we lost, but there was such. Oh, we drew. We drew. Oh, we drew. Sorry. Oh, yeah, there was yeah. such, it, a, it there was such a visceral atmosphere at Ewood that day. I never forget it. Yeah. I never forget it. It was amazing. But yeah, Dwight York, um, while he was on the pitch, I think he was then taken off um, after Andy Todd's sending off. But I don't know. He just. It's just something about that transfer. It was like, are you doing it to make Andy Cole happy, or you know, to you know, he, maybe he wasn't happy after that terse response to the question of like, how good to be here, Andy? Um, and yeah, it was just a little bit, yeah, just a bit lackadaisical in his in his approach. And um, but he scored, you know, he scored some really important goals. I mean, the goal he scored away at Arsenal where we beat, beat the champions at Highbury was, you know, a really kind of deft finish. But without getting too sidetracked on, on Dwight York and my 
slightly peculiar hang-up on him. I think, like, um, I thought Gresco was a really kind of solid kind of squad player who seemed to be pretty good whenever he came in. Not like a not like a mainstay of the side by any stretch of the imagination, but but pretty solid. And, like, David Thompson, um, just another real kind of gem, somebody who clearly had, like, struggled at, uh, at Liverpool um, and clearly had, like, lost his way a little bit. Um, not wholly dissimilar from from Brad Friedel, um, but obviously is a very different player. Um, but kind of came in and just each, when you talk about that midfield with kind of Duff, Dunn, Thompson, and Thompson was just such a fantastic addition and just brought such kind of creativity and flair. But I mean, I think you were you are a kind of big David Thompson fan, and you real really saw kind of firsthand the value he brought to the to the side. I mean, do you have any kind of again overriding memories of him or or the other signings that kind of came in? So I think I think you've covered the signings really well. Um, I guess I guess one point I have on um, Dwight York to start with. I mean, I think to your point earlier about like Arte Labor, like there wasn't much you know skill and hard work for for, for those non linguists uh, listening. Um, <laughs> the club motto: there was there was there was skill. There wasn't much hard work though. In fairness. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what I did like about Dwight York. I thought, you know, similar to Andy Cole, when you watch them up close and you saw their ability on the ball, you just realized how good, like, you could see they'd come from a club like Manchester United in terms mm. of, like, how, how close they could control the ball to their body, how they could shield it. Dwight York was fantastic at using his chest, I remember, to control the ball and then move it on to, to, to either Cole or, or to Duff. It was one of his best attributes, I think, using his body to control the ball. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think, I think there is, you have to recognise that kind of like, there is some like, there's real like just innate skill there. But like, in terms of putting the graft in and the hard work, mm, yeah. And I think the other thing as well, is like, you know, that you've got, you've now reunited like the, the, cha- the, the treble winning strike partnership of York and Cole. The problem is you don't have Ryan Giggs and David Beckham and Paul Scholes providing them the ammunition. And I think it's a, it's a good lesson and a good, a good advert of what happens when you put the same players in a different system without the, the, the same caliber of chances um, that they received at Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. Although maybe maybe something kind of comparable in terms of like the hairdryer treatment that they may have gotten from Sunes as opposed to um, Alex Ferguson. But um, but yeah. who knows? Yeah, maybe, um, maybe that was more kind of reassuring for for your yeah. call. On, on, on David Thompson, I mean, I am. I, I would probably. I, I I like to regard myself in the top one percent of, of, of David Thompson fans uh, others <laughs> out there. Like I just thought he was an exceptional player. Like career cut short by injury. I think he mm. could have been an unbelievable talent if he'd had the chance to kind of like grow in the way that I think he was coming into his own at Rovers. Um, my fate, my, my, my memory I do have of him, because um, sadly I think he's a bit too niche to have like a, a YouTube highlights reel, um, is he scored, I remember him scoring a cracker um, against Chelsea at home um, in, the, in the league. We ended up, I think we, we lost 3-2, um, um but i remember him scoring and just like yeah i think it, i can't remember exactly if it was a free kick it was out it was a classic kind of like long range david thompson um mm. kind of like bullet kind of kind of effort and yeah. yeah he was always good for a few of those and i think if he hadn't have got injured i think you know given kind of like where we ended where we ended up at the end of this season in terms of like, like the the players that we lose I think if Thompson had like stayed fit and built up his kind of like ability and uh, influence over the team, 
I think things might have looked a bit different. And I know that's a lot mm. to put on one player, but he was probably something that the team really missed because of how influential I think he could have been. I mean, he going back to the, um, I think the the game against Celtic at Parkhead. I think he was, if if not man of the match, um, he was certainly a kind of standout performer for um, Rovers on the day. Um, I remember you know, like fleet, fleeting images of him just giving. Maybe he was one of those ghosts that, that the Celtic players were chasing, but just considering because he was quite he was. He, he, he didn't have a he was quite a diminutive player, wasn't he? He was quite small, uh, wasn't particularly kind of like physical. Reminded so. me of Javi, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, clearly you've got to have almost like outsized ability to compensate for a lack of physical presence if you're going to compete in, in the Premier League. And he, he had that in absolute spades. So, yeah, it is, it is really sad in terms of just the fact that he was so good this season and then it was just fits and starts for the remainder of his Rovers career, which was a bit of a shame, but, you know, like still to kind of, to be able to revel uh, in how good he was this season is is very nice. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And then I think like, you know, as, 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 as harsh to a degree we've been on, on, on people like York, he did score, was he, he might not, I think he was our second top scorer that season behind Duff. Um, with eight goals, I think, I think. Eight goals, yeah. Which in of itself, I think, is interesting. You know, they. Well, I think that's not many, really, is it? I guess it's second top scorer, but. Well, it is. It's amazing, isn't it? When because not going outside the parameters of this this show and this podcast uh, too much, um, but when we talk about kind of Rovers in the the following decade, where we conspired to not even get in the playoffs, despite having Jordan Rhodes and Rudy Gasteed scoring, I think like. 25 goals each um, over the course of a season, admittedly in the champi- in the championship. The fact that we, this was as good as we've been, arguably, in very much arguably, I would say, um, in the Premier League era or, or in that decade, and yet our two leading strikers scored 15 goals between them. It's just, uh, it's just quite interesting, really. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I, my, my kind of like memory of that, that season is the is the kind of the trifecta of York, Cole, and Duff, um, mm. and those three just being really like in sync, being really instrumental in driving the team forward from an attacking sense, and then yeah. having like that real core um, part, the core elements of the defense in terms of um, Friedel, Shaw, Berg, Neil, um, just very solid right and i think we didn't i think we had a pretty good defensive record um but but i think yeah it was just like a culmination of like what we'd seen over the past 18 months of since we got back into the league and like actually we were solidly mid-table and then towards the end i think for the final eight games we were like solidly seventh and then kind of like there's the classic uh away game at tottenham for the end of the uh, final uh, final day of the season which i know is a bit of a You've got very happy memories about that uh, to end the season on the, the uh, Spurs yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, just again, just just the ease with which we swept aside. Um, I think I essentially kind of ended Glenn Hoddle's managerial career. I mean, obviously it wasn't just on, on that game, um, but a four 0 demolition of Spurs. Obviously not the Spurs that they were to kind of subsequently become, or maybe very much the Spurs that they subsequently to become. But it was just so kind of like ruthless and the fact that we had like some of our kind of squad players just like easily dispatching them like I think Craig Hignett scored Craig Hignett scored yeah beautiful yeah. goal and like 
Damien Duff just like doing what doing what he did, just kind of like running with real pace and direction, and then just teeing it up for uh, Andy Cole, who nearly ever so nearly misses <laughs> the, 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 the gaping open net in front of him. But I think that is an amazing kind of um, point, um, if you like, in the kind of the, the wider story, just because, yeah, having gone into playing Tottenham Hotspur, what was been what 15 months previously in the relegation zone, 18th, very much the underdogs going into the World Cup final, pulling off an unlikely result. Fast forward to the end of the subsequent season, and it's just absolute run of the mill routine away, four nil away win against Tottenham is just um, it's just quite quite something. Um, so yeah, very 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 kind of fond memories of of that um it's kind of yeah. like the it's kind of like the the high it like really is like the high mark of this stage of the uh, of the of the rover of rovers kind of like uh time in the, in the premier league right because yeah it's, it's the end of the season we finish sixth um yeah. which is just incredible when you think about like you know if you think about how much like what they spent with the squad and where it's the core of that squad coming back from you know something like the core of the squad comes comes from the division one side um mm. To, 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 to push aside Tottenham four 0 away to end the season, you know, yeah. and I, I, again, I think the historical, like the, the hindsight and the context is really interesting, right? Because if you think about where Spurs are today versus where we are, and we're just brushing them aside four nil, and it's yeah. comfortable, and like, yeah, it's it's just it just kind of shows you just the ebb and flow of a club's kind of like journey in terms of the mm. time that you have in a, in a in a in a positive. Uh, era in which you're kind of like playing well and the club's in a good state you've got good signings good manager good kind of like governance of the club itself it kind of shows when all those things come together just like how how kind of prosperous it can be and how precious Mm. they are and how how delicate and how imbalanced they are and you're gonna see the importance of just like single players and signings and all these little bits that, that fit together in terms of making them work. And, you know, we've already mentioned tonight's episode about, you know, recovering from issues around like the grabby signing and being able to paper mm-hmm. over that. Um, but that yeah. was kind of a lucky escape. You can't always paper over the cracks. And I think we're going to, we're going to see that in future episodes. I mean, mm-hmm. just one thing we haven't mentioned, I think it's worth just a, a, a few, few moments on from that season as well. Is the fact that you know we weren't far away from retaining the 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 the, the, the league cup, you know, we got to the semi final where we uh, drew against Manchester United, and um, we drew the first leg uh, away away. Yeah, we drew the first leg away, one all. Keep you... the surprise in your voice. Just so <laughs> palpable. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure that the first leg was away. It was like, wow, it really was. Like, yeah, we actually. And David Thompson scored, so obviously that's a, that's a good yeah. thing. Good thing for me. And then they came to Ewood, and you know they just they were. Oh, oh we actually took the lead in that game as well. Um, hmm. So we were two one up. We were two one up on aggregate with an away goal. You know, we were that close to. We're that close to getting back into the final, and then they just ran away with it. Um, but that's, but that's it. It's, it's just amazing, isn't it? Like such kind of um, great times that it's not about. It's certainly not about kind of winning all of the competitions you en- enter as a Blackburn Rovers fan. I mean, far from it. But the fact that you're like genuinely competing in the league in at least one of one of the domestic cups and 
had a fairly kind of um, high profile entertaining exit, albeit quite a painful one from, from the UEFA cup was just like, wow, what a, what a kind of like collection of memories that that season kind of provided not and really quite ultimately really positive memories inspired by really good football. I think that's watching the highlights. It's so striking how good the players are. And it's a really, I'm I'm not a kind of by any means kind of technical in my assessment or analysis of football, but watching like Damien Duff in that Birmingham match, just pick up the ball from a very tight angle and be able to unleash a shot with such precision such kind of power it's like you don't see that that much in the championship <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest I mean like the quality of the play and the players is just is just remarkable so yeah um I think and I would like to think I really knew that it was a bit of a kind of a golden age at the time I think I think I thought that but if I could go back and say really do enjoy this time <laughs> for, yeah. um, um, for what it is um, I would, I would do that um, because, yeah, as we know, these these moments are, are all too fleeting. As you say, when the when the balance, even if it's just it just shifts a little bit, and not there was significant, but not a huge overhaul for the next season. And yet, um, as, as we'll cover, it it got a lot more difficult, a lot more quickly than anyone would have thought. Yeah, it did. But I, I like I like the way you frame that. And I, and I really, I can't remember, but I, I really hope I also thought that at the time, you know, around the yeah. fact that I, I was in a, in a kind of period of like a golden period of what, what the club was going through. Um, mm. But I think that's exactly why we were having these conversations, right? To like, to reminisce and talk about these, these very, really uh, nostalgic moments in the clubs, in the club's history. And some of them, some of them are really good, but I think even mm. like my kind of like Celtic uh, kind of like uh, reference earlier is, is relevant even though it was a bad outcome because I, I was still I was still really proud of how well the how the team played and to kind mm. of bring it full circle in terms of what I was saying earlier about us you know kind of jokingly saying that we would have won the UEFA Cup if you think about how well we ended up we ended we play that season and we kind of get stronger as it goes on now obviously someone would say yes but if you're playing the UEFA Cup it's Thursday Sunday games and it's really hard and you can't do it forget that just for a moment like <laughs> like I, I, I valid the, point. Ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> Just stay with yeah. me. I'm not here for. I'm not here for like relevance. I'm here for like speculation. <laughs> um, you know, if you think about the fact that we end the season four 0 beating Spurs away, if that team goes to go and play Porto at that time, you're telling me they're not going to give them a good run for the money? Like, I, think, I would back them 100 to beat Porto. And I, I agree. I, I 100% think we'd beat Porto. I think the problem is that Celtic beat Liverpool en route. And I don't remember us having many scouts of Liverpool at the time. Um, because I think, oh, I think maybe the, right season, about that. Yeah. the season previously, like Liverpool were on a terrible run. And Andy, Andy Cole scored that amazing volley um, to put us 1-0 up. And then I think they broke their... They didn't win, but they kind of halted a series of kind of defeats under Julier. I just think, yeah, Liverpool, maybe even go, going back to kind of when we nearly conspired to lose the title at Anfield, maybe they, they occupied a certain psychological place um, for, for Blackburn Rovers. So, yeah, guaranteed to beat Porto. Liverpool, 
could, could we have made it? Yeah, could we have made it through the the rest of the rounds? Is, is a good question. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair. And this is this is why you always you balance me out, Simon. My my my, my, some of my ra- <laughs> radical takes. I appreciate that. Like, I think the thing I'm going to do when we've uh, finished the podcast is go and look at the actual run that Celtic had to go on, <laughs> yeah. just to kind of win, see if I win, think we could win. have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, just to, just to kind of this is this is a so apropos in terms of how these uh, how these kind of stories all interlink together. That season, we actually drew Liverpool twice, home and away. Um, we were 2-1 down at home until the 83rd minute. And who scored the equaliser? Corrado Gravi. No way, <laughs> really? And <laughs> in yeah. the 0 3 season? In the, oh. Yeah, in the 0 3 season. Yeah, can, if you can wow. believe that. That's amazing. I, I, I kind of thought he, he, he was a one... I think it, if I remember correctly, it was like a header at the far post. If I remember correctly, he loved scoring against Liverpool, though. I think he scored against Liverpool in the 0102 season. Like, that was Everton. Uh, that was Everton. All right, against Merseyside. Yeah, he loved Merseyside. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a rich hunting ground for him, but a really sad sight. A really, really sad, like um, quote attributed to Carlo Gravi is that he said that. Um, that his only friend there, or the only nice person to him, was Two Guy, which Aww. you know makes sense. Well, two we both guy. smoked, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So make of that what you want. Mutual will. interests, mutual interests. <laughs> yeah. That is quite sad, though. That is quite sad. But you know, again, yeah. it speaks to it speaks to the importance of like which kind of what kind of personalities are you are you kind of like bringing into an environment, right? And obviously, yeah. Anyway. Robbins makes a different environment to Tanana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure Lancashire cuisine was not the scratch of, uh, of, of, of his Italian family. But um, let's uh, let's bring this home. Um, is there any kind of like anything we haven't touched on, or any memory, um, or any kind of shout out, player, game, goal, moment that you want to like mention before we before we sign off? Um, I think it has to be Janssen um, and what happened to him. Um, between these two seasons. Um, what I mean, again, going back to Italy, Italy had a kind of fateful hold um, over Blackburn Rovers' fortunes, um, at, or part of Blackburn Rovers' fortunes at that time. Um, because I, before I go, go, go too far down this, this rabbit hole, he was in Italy when he had his, his accident. He was, he was, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. good. Well, not good, but you know, it, it, it kind of stitches the story together. Um, so the fact that uh, Matt Janssen having had like a really, really prolific kind of first um, season in the Premier League. I think he got like 15 or 16 goals um, in the 0102 season. And as you yep. said, like was very much kind of in the in- England reckoning, um, <laughs> much as I imagine to Andy Cole's sh- chagrin <laughs> at the end of the season. Um, yeah, he, he, I, he just missed out or, and then goes on holiday and has has this kind of motorcycle accident, and and is is it was he was in a coma, I believe. Afterwards, I think so yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. It's a really really bad head injury, and yeah, it just just never never the same same player since. Um, and clearly, still had like the ability um, shown by kind of sporadic kind of um, goals. I think he got three goals in the in the 0203 season, and even. Like beyond that, I think under Mark Hughes, he kind of popped up every now and again. I think he got a goal against Portsmouth under Mark Hughes, which was a fantastic trademark finish. Winner as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, but it just he clearly, as he said himself, I think it, it, his head, um, 
he just he just couldn't kind of compete with the physicality anymore um which was just so sad because he was such a such a likable character um somebody who had really spearheaded the line going up from division 1 up to the up to the premier league proven he could do it at, at that higher higher level um and yeah it's kind of really much a kind of question of of what might have been um and just a, a kind of genuine sense of sadness for someone who seemed like such a kind of just genuinely nice guy to have um kind of come a cropper in that way is um is is very sad yeah yeah and like <laughs> yeah so, yeah thanks for that. thanks for that really uplifting ending uh, there, Simon. um no I, I would just say to any you know any younger fans out there either blackburn rovers or otherwise you never got to see see him play like you know if you can find anything on youtube like do it like the guy was an absolute legend and you know incredibly left a credible left-footed um attacker like Ah, I just think we were robbed of his talents way too, way too soon in terms of like the accident. And, uh, you know, he will always be a Rovers legend um, in that in that regard. And um, I guess my my kind of final take is I think just to sort of kind of summarize, this, you know, we've covered two seasons tonight, which is which is a lot. Um, but I think, you know, we've, we've kind of told the story around the fact that there was this kind of like re like accl 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 acclimating, I should say, to the um, to the division um really pushing on from like Worthington Cup victory and just like having that real stability it kind of felt there was a lot of stability in the first couple of years like management core of the team and yeah I think I think these conversations were just making me realize just how how important and how how much of a bedrock that was to the first two years of success and then we're gonna get into it in the next episode when you start pulling the Jenga pieces out it's mm. not easy to kind of put new ones in and, and, and the kind of like the, the tower stays in the same kind of like um, strong position. Um, mm. So, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Like it's been, it's been a lot, a lot of fun about these two seasons. Um, you know, particularly enjoyed the counterfactual definite UEFA cup win. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. And like I said, I'm going to go and check Celtics run um, uh, later, later on. So yeah, let, let's leave it there. Really, really good times uh, in terms of those two seasons. Um, next episode, we're going to look at thing when things go a little bit yellow, uh, I could say, as a double double pun <laughs> there, um, in terms of what happens in the 03-04 season um, under Sunus when things start to get a little bit rocky and a bit wrong. And mm -hmm. just for listeners in advance, uh, next episode was recorded as our pilot. So the audio, please bear with it. It's, it's, it's listenable, um, but it's not to the same esteem quality as this. Um, but we'll be back with you on the same uh, for the next episode. So with that, Simon, um, speak to you soon. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye now.